Welcome to Fringe with Benefits. I'm your host, Stacy, mom, scientist, author, naked and afraid survivalist, and now a podcaster. I come to you to scramble your brain on all things anomalous, peculiar, weird, and abnormal. I'm excited to get into episode three of Fringe with Benefits. This has been very liberating, and I'm excited to be here with you all. So let's get some business out of the way. Make sure to follow us on all our socials. Stacy Leosorio is the fan page. Give that a like. Instagram at golden underscore Valkyrie underscore. And tweet me at golden Valkyrie. Drop the E. Golden Val- Valkyrification is the YouTube. And go to www.inwardsurvival.com for the blog and ways to donate. We are now available on seven platforms. And this is really fun and exciting. So I think everybody should try this once or twice. Pretty soon I'll stop doing all that and not rambling off all of my usernames and stuff. I'm sure it's probably pretty boring to listen to that. But until then, I'm going to do it. So I'd like to also take a time out of every show in which I can do a little bit of personal inventory for whatever I said on the previous, uh, maybe any corrections. And I'm sure that I don't have any hate mail yet, but I'm sure that that's going to come or they're going to have to let me know that I I biffed on something. And I totally appreciate that. So make sure you uh, email us at inwardsurvivalrt at gmail.com for now. I would like to start by apologizing for making sounds with my mouth. I hate it and I'll try not to do it. I think I have that condition where when you hear smacking or those sounds, um, those wet, nasty mouth sounds or people chewing, I go nuts. So I'm going to try not to do that because as I go back and listen to myself, I hear myself doing that and it's absolutely disgusting and annoying and I'm going to stop it. So if um, as well, if you're cringing at my lack of editing, super sorry. I have no idea how to. There are new options on this uh, the software that you can, and I will figure it out and try to improve it. Until then, you're going to get all kinds of generic stuff because that's all I got at my disposal. So um, I'll get better at it as uh, the more I practice and the more I do it. So this week's been great. Busy, but rad. I, I want to hear from you, so make sure you email me again at inwardsurvival.rt um, at gmail. And not only do I want to hear your weird stories, I want to hear about your week too. Speaking of weeks, this week's socials have been total fire. Like, everything's crazy. Do you not agree? We've got the mask debate. The mask debate. The HCQ scandal. An explosion in Beirut. And some other explosions that I just so happen to not see any uh, news footage, but basically... People are sharing this information that's not being circulated in the regular news, and so we don't see it. So all this extra stuff, the coming election tensions, sad stories, funny stories, memes, etc. But what I really want to talk about today is based on my personal experience. Story goes, I just recorded about seven minutes worth of rant, and... It didn't record because I lost my internet connection. So let's start it over. (laughs) The story goes, initially I was against the social media. I didn't want to be on MySpace or Facebook or do any of those things. 
And so, you know, finally I was suckered in around 2010. I got onto Facebook and I did that for a little bit. Didn't post every day, posted really cringy, annoying stuff. It's just really, really dumb how I interacted on there. And so I'm sure there's some stuff in my past on my social medias that can probably make me look really bad, <laughs> but whatever. Anyways, I have this uh, long standing love hate relationship with social media. So when I started with Facebook and I went and did my naked and afraid challenge and everybody would advise me, you need to get all your social medias. People are going to want to contact you. People are going to want to speak with you. And so after my 40 day challenge, I, I got on my Instagram, my Twitter, I did my LinkedIn profile, I hooked it all up and I've been interacting regularly on there. So I like to list things out, uh, pros and cons when I try to explore a subject as, as broad as this one. And so I, I listed some out. We start with the bad news first. These cons, you've got a lack of privacy. They're basically mining our data. It's feeding AI and they're learning, uh, they as in AI is learning human behavior by watching or observing and collecting all of our interactions on all of our social medias. And so we are, even though it's free, we are giving them something. I guess nothing comes free because, so have you ever heard that saying, despise a free lunch. Well, this is basically it. You're getting something for free, but you you're getting they're getting something in return. So there's a risk of humiliation. Have you ever heard those stories in which somebody lost their phone and the person that took their phone put their nudes up on their social media? Could you imagine your grandma seeing your dick? That would be a horrible horrible scenario. So I I know people that that happened to and that sounds just absolutely nightmarish. So we're on there. We risk being humiliated by somebody who gets a hold of our, our device versus somebody who's going to do the call out cancel culture to us or try to embarrass us online using the social media to harm somebody. It's also a nuisance. Has anybody, you know, went through the hell of making sure those notifications are sent set properly that you don't get your phone blowing up for every little thing or get an email for every little thing? So it can be a nuisance. Addiction. We are, they're saying that the devices have become addicting because we get an endorphin payoff every time we get a like, every time we get interaction. Either it's positive or it's negative, but either way, it's a type of feel that we come back for. So it is compulsory and it, it becomes a habit for a lot of people. So let's go to the pros, which are my favorite. It's a great networking tool. Internationally, you can talk to people and I, I just love being able to connect with people all over the world and see and engage and just be there for all that. I've been able to stay in contact with family and see my cousins um, and their kids grow up and experience all that old friends from junior high. I get to watch their kids grow up and basically interact with them like almost every day. Business. I, it's great for business. If you have a business or if you're trying to get information or a service out there, you have to be online. I like to be informed. Being informed is great. And whether it's stuff in your neighborhood, stuff in your community, stuff nationally, internationally, we can get that through social media, through people sharing it. I like to also see different viewpoints. That's a great way to expand your worldview by reading what other people's perspectives are and how they view things. And 
it's excellent to be able to go somewhere and hear probably five different viewpoints on one subject. So those are some cons. We got, um, let's see, four cons that I came up with real quick and five pros. So I think the pros are winning. But we got to look at the glasses being half full and, and remain positive because there are good things that come with a lot of this bad. So I've been known as being kind of controversial and edgy and you say what I want. And I think that that's why people actually like me is because I tell the truth. I am genuine. I'm probably one of the realest bitches you'll ever meet. So I, I share controversial, edgy information and doing that has become more risky. You become more of a target and people want to argue with you and people want to tell you what you're doing is harmful. I don't feel that way. I, I usually will manage to weigh out whether or not it's going to hurt anybody or not help anybody. And that's usually a decision-making factor in which I post something. I don't take my social media that seriously, especially my personal page. Now, when it comes to Facebook, I have my business page for the nonprofit and my business page for my naked and afraid survivalist persona. Those pages only get that related material, but my personal page, I put whatever the fuck I want. And I don't care if anybody doesn't like it or not. So when I share something that, you know, when it comes down to something kind of iffy, like the HCQ scandal, the hydroxychloroquine scandal, there's a lot of opposing viewpoints there. People are trying to debunk left and right. Both sides have an argument. And I like to look at that and I want to hear what's going on. Alien disclosure, secret technologies, post stuff about that, even ghosts and weird phenomenon like that. Today's show, I'll be talking about some really weird shit. And those are the things that I like and I like to explore. Usually there's an inkling of truth. Most, most of it could be bullshit. I'm not doubting that. But it's my right to get on my social media and post whatever weird thing I want to post, as long as it's not, you know, totally asshole-ish. And usually I don't do that because I actually care nowadays, but there's been a time. I try to, I try to be respectful, but when it comes down to it, it's my personal page. If you don't like what you're seeing, you can hide the post. If you click the three little dots at the right at the top, hide the post. Um, unfollow my page, unfriend me, unlike me, un, un whatever. You can not see it anymore. Otherwise, be like I've been. Be respectful. Let it go by on your feed. If you don't agree, unless you have something positive and encouraging to say, just let it go. Respect other people's rights to have an opinion and to explore certain topics that need exploring. So that's all I really wanted to say about that. I'm going to push us into a little advertisement and I will be back with Viral Corner. 
Okay, this week's viral corner, we've got an interesting few videos that are circulating, but I'm going to focus primarily on this one article that I found in uh, It's Gone Viral Official.com. So it's IGVofficial.com. The headline reads Parents left horrified after discovering Troll's doll toy makes sex sounds when pushing a button between its legs. So I'm sure some of you have seen the videos of the moms that have discovered on these new. Uh, troll dolls from the movie Poppy, the cute little pink one, has a feature in which you can press her belly and she sings a bunch of different songs, but there's also a button in between her legs, literally on the underside of her bottom, that she makes these suggestive sounds like um, moaning, giggling, sighing, and it's really, really shocking and disgusting. So let's read this article here. Parents have been left horrified by Hasbro's latest Trolls doll, and there has been fear over grooming due to the sex noises it makes when you push a button which is placed between its legs. Following a mom complaining that the toy was encouraging pedophilia, Hasbro's Trolls World Tour Giggle and Sing Poppy doll has been pulled from shelves. The mom, Jessica McManus, was disgusted when she realized the new Trolls doll had a button between its legs which emoted sexual noises when pressed. Determined for it to not be on shelves, she launched an online petition to have it removed from stores. On change.org, she wrote, Our society is conditioning our children to think pedophilia is okay. This Trolls World Tour doll named Poppy has a button on her private area under her skirt. When you push this button on the doll's private, she gasps and giggles. It's not okay for a child's toy. This toy needs to be removed from our stores. End quote. So... I want to know what y'all think of this. Like, that's not okay. I would be really, really shocked. Let's read a little bit more. What will this toy make our... Okay, this is what McManus said, the mom. What will this toy make our innocent, impressionable children think? That it's fun when someone touches your private area? That pedophilia and child molestation is okay? It's not okay. It's not fun. It's damaging and has long-term effects on a child's mental and physical health. This petition has been signed by over... 267,000 people and continues to grow at a fast rate. I will link this article in the show notes so you guys can check it out. And all this has been directed at the toy sellers such as Amazon, Walmart, and Target. Those who have signed the petition have commented that they are in agreement with the worried mom and are urging toy sellers to pull the doll from their shelves. So who's going to answer for this? Like... There should be some sort of class action lawsuit, I I think, because that is suggesting to our children that it's okay for somebody to touch you in a private area and to giggle and laugh. We've been teaching our kids since the beginning of time, hopefully, that if somebody touches them in their private area, they need to tell an adult, somebody that they can trust. And it's unbelievable to me that this toy maker would take such a popular character and turn something filthy into it. So, yeah, these kids still want these dolls. And what are these parents going to tell them? Well, sorry, I don't want you to have this doll. Or what, put a piece of duct tape over the, the naughty button. It's absolutely crazy, absolutely disgusting. And I can't wait to hear what Hasbro says about this. So this has been going around a lot. Um, In this particular article, there's people on Twitter that are posting it. Uh, A a senator, Sam Parker, has uh, put it up. He he, uh, tagged Hasbro 
in a tweet with a video that says, is Hasbro normalizing and grooming facilitating child abuse? Well, damn, looks like it to me. And also, let's see. So the, I guess the Trolls movie was released in 2016. And due to its success, it had a sequel, Tro Trolls World Tour, which premiered in March of this year. And so this is the, the toy to follow up that release. Let's see. Hasbro has stated that the doll will be pulled from the shelves as soon as possible. Well, who who made sure that this happened? I mean, it has to go through a certain amount of hands before they release a toy. Like, who was signing off on this shit? That's what I want to know. They say that this was not intentional and we are happy to provide consumers with a replacement poppy doll of similar value through our consumer care team. We are in the process of removing the item for purchase. It's still, uh, you know... That's ridiculous. I, I just can't believe it. I remember back in the day when The Little Mermaid first came out and the first cover of the VHS, somebody had put in a penis in the castle, uh, Ariel's castle. And it's blatant, a big old veiny penis right in the background. And what the word of mouth from what I remember hearing was that somebody had it in for Disney, somebody on their animation team. And he snuck it through, and therefore, I don't know how many thousands of them were printed and put on the movie cover box, but I still have one of those. And um, should just throw it in the trash or burn it as a symbolic way to say F you to these scumbags that put sexual material on children's products. Give me a break. Get your shit right. Don't do stuff like that. I don't get it. So that's what went viral this week. And I wanted to share that all with you in case you're thinking about buying your kid the new troll doll. Make sure it doesn't have a little button on there that teaches them it's okay to let people touch you in your private spot. No. So obviously I have a really, really big opinion on that thing. It's unacceptable. So let's switch gears and move into our weekly topic. I decided this week that we would talk about something crazy, like shadow people. What do you think? Have you seen anything? I have, personally. Maybe one day I'll share that tale. But for now, let's delve into it. So Wikipedia says that they can be called shadow figures, shadow beings, or sometimes a black mass. And historically, they've been around a long time. It's been, it was, it was popularized on Coast to Coast in 2001 when Art Bell interviewed a native elder named Thunderstrikes, a.k.a. Harley Swift Deer Reagan. And then later that year, 2001, a woman named Heidi Hollis wrote a book describing them to flicker in and out of our peripheral vision. So I think the book was called The Secret War. They have been reported to be figures that would jump on the chest of the person and choke them, which is resemblance to the, the urban legend or the, the uh, phenomenon of where people wake up in the middle of the night with sleep paralysis and they see an old woman crouched on their chest or some other uh, entity. So that reminds me of that. So a shadow person sitting on your chest and restricting, you know, your life. That sounds terrifying. 
So I guess these paranormal experts don't agree on this, whether or not it could be harmful, it's harmless, or they are extra dimensional inhabitants of our world. So there are a few scientific explanations and physiological conditions and potential psychological conditions that can cause these types of delusions or hallucinations. Like methamphetamine. Haven't you heard? Did you ever know somebody who overused the meth and they would see shadow people or demons? Because <laughs> I knew some people that talked about shadow people. So... There's, you know, movies based on them, books based on them. There's forums galore. One of my favorite podcasters talked on this recently. Shout out to Hollow Sky. And Psychology Today reported a new book in 2013. And this, this is a pretty cool interview. And there, so it's Rosemary Ellen Geely. And she is claiming that they are being identified as jinn. Or she is identifying them, these shadow beings, as jinn, which um, D-J-I-N-N, which is a ancient mystical being, uh, often known for trickery and even causing harm. So she, Rosemary Ellen Geely, Guiley, I hope, I'm sorry, Rosemary Ellen, she's a leading expert in the paranormal field, and she's been working on this stuff since 1983. She's written over 50 books, and she heads a Visionary Living Incorporated, which I haven't really looked into that yet, but it sounds pretty fantastic. So she has a lot of experience. And Western, she's saying that Western culture has been deprived of from these uh, Middle Eastern tales of the jinn, because we have this phenomenon, a psychic phenomenon of seeing these shadow people or having these encounters with these shadow people. And that because we are not exposed to the same ancestral tales of their supernatural, that we're, we're kind of at a disadvantage. Now I'm paraphrasing, she may not have said any of that at all, but that's what I got from her interview is that we need to explore the potential that they could be jinn, which the old hag could be a jinn too, because they were shapeshifters, right? So she states that in early Arabian lore, the jinn came from the winds. The Quran says they were created by Allah out of, let's see, smokeless fire. So it's also pretty pretty amazing that she made a statement about exploring personal entity narratives. So if you're a person that have, has, has had these odd occurrences your whole life, there may be some significance to that. She's saying that they offer somewhat of a mirror of, of ourselves. And if you're having a lot of interactions, there's, there is a reason for it. And the jinn have a story in which they were, uh, they're mad at us. They don't like us because we are inhabiting a realm in which they used to inhabit, but they were either forced to leave or asked to leave. So they've been known to not really be too keen on us. 
So, you know, what do you think? Are they extra interdimensional shape-shifting jinn? Or are they residual energies? Uh, what about the hat man? Because jinn have been known to... No, I'm... I don't know about Jin, but I do know that shadow people have been known to be wearing a hat or some type of cloak. So is, is that what, you know, we can say describes that, or is that the same thing? Are they Jin? So I just really wanted to ask that question. I'm super fascinated. I often see things out of the corner of my eye. I do believe that this house is haunted, and I do believe a lot of places in which we go are are full of these unseen energies in which we cannot see. Tell me what you think. Speaking of telling me what you think, it's time for the mailbag. And considering nobody has been sending me any damn mail, I had to go find my own scary story. So it goes right along with our weekly topic. This one is on the Reddit thread Paranormal Encounters. It was posted by user Kaylee Severance seven hours ago. I don't know if that's accurate. I should refresh it. Hope my internet doesn't go out. That's the one thing about living in the sticks. You have to just save or you lose everything. And okay, so it's now it's reading one day ago. So I did read this yesterday, and it's pretty spooky. I, either way, you guys need to start sending me some dang mail. The email address is inwardsurvivalrt at gmail.com. Send me some stories, anything weird. I love it all. So this one goes, We moved to this house in 2007 when I was 11 years old. If I'm a girl, that's important. I'm a girl, if that's important. The house was obviously haunted from day one. We all knew we weren't alone. Even my skeptical parents couldn't deny it. Events such as lights flickering, the animals avoiding rooms, auditory events, power cuts, and odd behaviors I exhibited at night. I'll, I'll do a different post about the other hauntings happenings if anyone cares to know. I know this page is about the paranormal and creatures aren't exactly paranormal, but I swear this is linked to the hauntings in our house. The creature I've been dreaming of is very strange. He's a black blob, basically like a rectangle, but the corners are softly rounded. He is much taller than me. Even now as an adult, he still seems to be so much taller, like I haven't grown. He doesn't have a human face. I'm not actually sure he has a face, really. If in my dream I see him from the corner of my eye, I see the long black shape with a shapeless smear of white at the top. My first dream, it was at night in my backyard. I was outside for reasons I don't know. Around the side of the house, my dad and brother were standing under the security light digging for something. I was watching from them from the back wall. Let me explain the layout. Our yard is a rectangular. Our yard is rectangular and on either short side of the rectangle, you can see the sides of the house. So I stood against the long end of the rectangle facing the house in such a way I could see my dad and brother. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw the creature and knew he was there. My dad started calling to me to come in. He was kneeling and holding his hands out like I was a kid. He kept saying, come straight here to me. Look at daddy. Look at my face. Don't look at him, baby. And he was trying to keep calm and keep get me to go directly to him without looking at the creature. I did as I was told, shaking when I walked past the creature and being relieved but confused when I got to my dad. 
When I got to him, the creature was still standing watching us, but we didn't look directly at him. I asked my dad who it was and why I wasn't allowed to look. My dad looked very serious and told me, you never look at him. He smiles to lure people in and to smile back will bring disaster. In the dream, I started calling him to the smi- calling him the smiling man. I know there is a smiling man creepy pasta, but this smiling man is not the same one. He isn't ever moving and you can't look at him because something bad will happen if you smile. I had many dreams where he would be in my peripheral vision all the time and I would always get up in my dream and walk away from him. I knew instinctively that there was something wrong with the smiling man, that he wasn't right somehow. I used to talk about him and everyone brushed it off as a creepy imaginary friend I created to make myself feel better about moving away from all our friends and family. After a month of having these dreams about the smiling man, I started to creep my parents out. One night, I went to bed at 9 p.m., and I remember looking over at a corner in my room and feeling like I had to stare at it. My dad came into my room at 3 a.m. and found me speaking a language neither of us know while looking at the corner. My dad says I even gave pauses as if expecting a response. He snapped me out of it by turning on the light. I looked at him and felt like he had woken me up. I asked him why he was waking me up. He told me I'd been awake. I was sitting up with my eyes open. It was very creepy. My dad took me out of the room and I slept with him and my mom. That was just one incident. I did a lot of creepy things in this house, always at night and always unexplainable. My dad was able to explain to a friend who was a language expert some of what I had said and she thought from certain words it was Romanian, but she couldn't be sure without hearing full sentences and clearer pronunciation. I went away for university between 2017 and 2019. This year, I moved back home while I looked for work, an effort hindered by COVID. During that time, I never had dreams of him and never did anything out of the ordinary. The dreams have become more frequent since I've been home. It's like he has time to make up for, and I've experienced more auditory and sensory experiences. I've heard voices in my ear when I'm trying to sleep. I've seen lights in my room with no explanation where they are coming from, and I have begun to sleepwalk again. I've been tempted to just look at him and find out what he is and how he is tied to the hauntings because I know he isn't the only one in the house. There are more and the rest are distinctly normal and safe. He doesn't feel right next to them and I wonder if he's a creature. He's never touched me or been closer than arm's length. If he has spoken to me, I can't remember it. I'm curious to see if anyone else had dreamt of him or is he unique to our home? For surely if he was free to roam, he would have followed me to university. Does anyone know what he is? Does anyone know what will happen if you smile at him? Okay, so end end of that story. This chick is actually dealing with this and has been dealing with it for several years. And she wrote this yesterday, posted it. So I'm wondering if I should try to talk to her. That's terrifying. What do you guys think? You know, do you think that she's got a gin in her house with all those ghosts and everything? What the hell? Woo! My heart's racing. Jeez. I don't know. I'm going to have to take a little breather after that one. You guys send me some mail and tell me what you think about that. Our guest of honor this week is Edwin Everhart with his podcast, Life Talks with Edwin Everhart. You guys got to go check him out. I'm really partial because he's kind of my brother-in-law and he's the one that brought to me the, the inspiration that I needed to go ahead and start recording 
things on my mind. I listened to his and I was like, wow, it sounds really good. I'm going to try this platform. It seems really easy. And it was. So I'm here thanks to him. So go give him a like. He's got a Facebook page for his podcast. You could probably even friend him maybe. He's into broadcasting. He's got a really stellar voice. He presents really well. Um, his l- latest episode, I think he's I think he's a few episodes in, uh, several in fact, probably. And he interviewed a expert on cannabis. So that sounds like a really good one. I'm gonna have to I haven't given it a listen yet. I just wanted to give him a shout out and make sure that he got the guest spot on this week's episode. So Edwin Everhart, thank you. Life Talks with Edwin Everhart. Give him give him some love. Go like his stuff. This week we have a special treat. My son is here and I figured I'd do a little Q&A about what it's like to be 17, almost almost 18 years old. Michael, what do you think? How are you? Doing good. Come over here closer to the microphone. How do you feel about being a legal adult in about eight months? Feel pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Feel good about it? Yeah. And what are your plans for the future? Go to school. Yeah? Mm -hmm. What do you think you want to study? Business. Business? Yeah. Yeah. You going to start your own business? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be awesome. Uh-huh. Michael's got a whole head of hair, a whole lot of it. He looks like Jim Morrison or a rocker from the late 60s, early 70s. Rock star right there. Nux. Nux, little bro. Okay. That was our guest spot this week. Say bye, Mick. Bye, everyone. All righty. Maybe we'll have him back and he'll want to contribute some more. It was nice to be able to add him to the guest spot this week. Score. Inward Survival School of Magic is brought to you by Inward Survival Resilience Training. This week, we're going to talk about cognitive distortions. We all have these thoughts that are extreme, to say the least, or insecure or negative, and we've all experienced this. I'm going to give you a neat little exercise that you can do to properly make suggestions to yourself that would improve the outcome of whatever event you're experiencing. So real quick, cognitive distortions are irrational thoughts that can influence our emotions. Then we get all upset and then those emotions exhaust us and then we affect everybody around us and that's not cool. So when these experiences cause maladaptive behavior, we have to look at them closely. Are we having any thoughts that would, um, So for one, personalization, in which we think that something is the way it is because of us, but in actuality, we have no control over that situation or what that person is doing. It is not because of us, but we are convincing ourselves that it is. That's called personalization. We do magnification and minimization. We magnify the situation to where it's this huge deal when in actuality, it's probably something a lot smaller and should be let go or minimizing our behavior or a situation, and in fact, it's causing harm by minimizing it. Jumping to conclusions, we've all done that. We've all thought things were some way in which they weren't. It's not cool. Fortune telling and mind reading. We 
we think we can read people's minds. We think we know what's going to happen in the future. We cannot say, hey, this is going to happen because, you know, we think it is or it's driven by our emotional reaction to what we think might happen. It's totally not a good idea to do that. We use too much emotional reasoning when it comes to certain events in our life. We, we use our emotions to guide ourselves. And it's good to let your heart guide you, but that's your heart, not your nutso emotions. We disqualify the positive. Usually when we've had an experience that has turned out negative each time, we say that it's going to be this way. And it's usually, well, maybe it usually is, but if we keep thinking that it's going to be this way, it really is going to be this way. So I got this great exercise on um, therapistaid.com is the source. It's a cognitive challenge. So what you do is you think of an event what your thoughts are going to be surrounding that event, what your feelings are going to be surrounding that thought, and then what your behavior is going to be. So for instance, there's a lot of people out there that suffer from anxiety disorders, right? Let's look at a situation in which wouldn't bother most of us, but bother some people. The, the trip to Walmart or the trip to the grocery store, especially during these times in which there's all these expectations and all these cautious things that we have to do because of the virus causes anxiety for people. So our event is we have to go to Walmart or we have to go to the store and our thoughts. So I know somebody who's got agoraphobia and she would tell herself every single time that she was going to have an anxiety attack if she left the house. That's where, you know, that's where we convince ourselves that that's actually going to happen. And it's not always going to happen. If we tell ourselves it's going to happen, our words carry magic. It's going to happen if we're telling ourselves it's going to happen. So this person, hypothetically, is telling themselves, I'm going to have an anxiety attack. And so I'm starting to feel fear. And then I'm going to have a physiological response to fear. And then I'm going to, my behavior is, I'm not going to go because I'm too damn afraid. Now, if we were to take this exact same event and we say, okay, I have to go to Walmart. I'm going to tell myself that this is going to be easy as pie. I'm going to get in and get out. I'm going to get everything on my list. I'm going to ignore everybody around me and I'm going to do what it takes for me to get this done. And what I feel, I feel maybe a little sense of fear if I'm not fully convincing myself, but I'm going to feel empowerment. I'm going to feel like I'm getting something done. I'm going to feel a sense of accomplishment. And then the behavior is I'm going to go to the store and it's going to be okay. And it's, and it's done. It's checked off my list. If I would have told myself something otherwise, I would be making a cognitive thinking mistake. And so when we, we go through this exercise, we have to ask ourselves several things. Are my thoughts accurate? Well, if you're telling yourself that you're going to have an anxiety attack, maybe it has happened several times before, but it's not very likely to keep happening unless you keep telling yourself that it's going to happen. Are my thoughts helpful? Well, if you're telling yourself that you're going to freak out if somebody says something to you or if you have to get in your car and drive somewhere, those are not helpful thoughts. If you're telling yourself that, you know, I'm a badass, I could do this, I'm not going to let anything bother me. Everything's going to just roll off my back. I'm going to do my breathing exercises in which we all need to do that. Your thoughts are going to be, you know, helpful. So am I falling into what we call a, a thinking mistake? 
are we having these any of these situations in which we're magnifying things or catastrophizing? <laughs> that was not right. Are we overgeneralizing the situation? I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong, and and which one are we participating in? And if we can identify that, we you know, then we know that we're actually making a mistake. And so, what would happen if I said to myself something that would be more positive or helpful? Well, our feelings are going to be different, and therefore our behavior is going to be different. And so, if I you know tell myself something like. I'm going to have a great day. I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to get this checked off my list and I'm going to come back and I'm going to carry on with the things that I actually really want to do and everything is going to be awesome and it's only going to, you know, it's like pulling off a band-aid. Just go get it done. If I told myself that, most likely I wouldn't have any negative feelings associated with that. It's when we run away with our negative feelings in which damage is done and our behaviors are usually pretty rotten or self-destructive. Know a lot of people deal with these challenges and deal with anxiety issues, and it's really, really hard. I experience it myself, but there's all kinds of tools in our toolbox, and that's what I wanted to bring to you this week on Inward's School of Magic, brought to you by Inward Survival. Next, we are going to move into the closing of our show, which is our Stoic Thought Discussion. So be right back. This week's thought of the day comes from a British philosopher from the 19th century named James Allen. Same name as my late father. So I kind of thought that this was maybe a sign. I wanted something that kind of went with the theme of our thoughts and how we treat others. And I found a few little quotes from him in his from his book by James Allen, As a Man Thinketh. So I love philosophy. I love ethics. I love the idea of self-auto-suggestion and making sure that like, we tell ourselves what to do and how to think. And what do we want in our minds? Do you know, what effort do we put forth to improve our thoughts? So what he says is, self-control is strength. Right thought is mastery. Calmness is power. Awesome. That goes right with our stoicism. I also would like to continue by saying, quote by James Allen, a strong man cannot help a weaker unless the weaker is willing to be helped. And even then the weak man must become strong of himself. He must, by his own efforts, develop the strength which he admires in another. None but himself can alter his condition. End quote. And one more. Quote, A man's mind may be likened to a garden, which may be intelligently cultivated or allowed to run wild, but whether cultivated or neglected, it must and will bring forth. If no useful seeds are put into it, then an abundance of useless weed seeds will fall therein and there and will continue to pr produce their kind. End quote. So yeah, our thoughts hold, hold intentions, which become emotions, which become actions and behaviors. So 
Are you planting useful seeds in your mind? What are you consuming? They say garbage in, garbage out, right? So basically, yeah, you know, are you thinking positively today? Are you going to think positively this week? Are you going to take note when you are having negative thought patterns happen in your life that actually will make us miserable when we do that? That's what I wanted to talk about. That's our thought of the day. Thank you for joining me this week. It was really hard to get this episode done and put out. I hope it turned out good. Hope everybody has a great week. Make sure to send me some mail, your weird, weird ass stories, inwardsurvivalrt at gmail.com. And maybe I'll have a, a, a show page put up and a show email by the end of next week. We'll see. Things are kind of crazy right now. We're harvesting blueberries. We've, we're harvesting blackberries and we've got a lot of property work to do because the weather is actually nice. So when, you know, I tell people that I'm going to be busy for the next two years, I wasn't fucking joking because <laughs> it's hardcore. So thank you for joining us this week. Thank you for all listening. Send me some mail. Tell me who you are. Ask me some questions. I want to totally engage with you guys. And I really appreciate everybody who's been listening so far. So have a great one. Talk later.